Hello, welcome to the second episode of Bite-Sized Cinema, a show where we discuss a film and cook a food from that film. Something that I did not mention in my first episode that some friends have made me aware of, I did not disclose my background as to why you would even want to listen to me discuss film and food. I have a bachelor's in cinema. I would describe myself as a movie nerd. Uh, My favorite genre being horror when it comes to food besides cooking and baking since I can remember through trial and error which made me a better cook. Um, I also have worked in the food industry for almost a decade and a lot of that time was in the kitchen. So I would like to say I know what I'm talking about. You can decide if that means anything with that out of the way. One thing I feel is always important to note is that there will definitely be spoilers in each episode about the film that I'm discussing. So please listen after you've watched the film, unless you don't plan on watching it or just don't care either way. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so today's film is Heartburn from 1986. It's a Mike Nichols film, R.I.P., It's a screenplay and book by the author Nora Ephraim, also another RIP. Uh, This was a first watch for me, and I watched it in honor of National Banana Cream Pie Day. So if you love pie, today, this very day, Thursday, March 2nd, it is National Banana Cream Pie Day. If you love pie, I recommend that you either make one or go out and buy one, whatever is easiest, and... I wanted to watch a film that had some pie relation, and there happens to be, because I researched it, uh, something even better. It's not, not a film to do with pie whatsoever. Heartburn has nothing to do with pie. However, there is one brilliant scene in which Meryl Streep slams a pie into Jack Nicholson's face, a cream pie no less. So that is how I correlated National Banana Cream Pie Day to the film Heartburn. So as I mentioned, Meryl Streep is in this film. She plays Rachel Samstadt, and Jack Nicholson is opposite of her and plays Mark Foreman. The film starts with them walking into a church together. Well, you initially think that it's together, but they're not actually together. It looks like they're a couple, but then they kind of meet and introduce themselves for the first time. While they're at the church, there's a wedding happening, and they just cannot keep their eyes off of each other. This escalates very quickly. They leave the wedding for the reception. They leave the reception together for drinks. They end up sleeping together and eating spaghetti, and then cut to their wedding day. It does a very quick transition as the events escalate into their relationship. You see the beginnings very, very quickly. And a quick tidbit... There are so many great cameos in this film. Um, Stalker Channing, Joanna Gleason. I don't know if you're into uh, Into the Woods, but she's in the original Broadway cast and is excellent. Catherine O'Hara, a gem. Jeff Daniels, Caroline Aaron, and she was actually an acting teacher at the film school that I went to. Uh, she's doing very well for herself, might I add, and uh, she has an incredible role in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, so you should check that out. Uh, Dana Ivey, Anna Maria Horsford, who else? Oh, and 
also Meryl Streep's own daughter. When her daughter, her eldest, was a toddler, she's in this film. And actually, the small moments captured between her and her daughter are so genuine because it is her daughter. And it felt so real because of that. I thought it was a great, great idea to use her in that role. She played the part great. For a toddler, they say that working with kids, besides animals, they say that working with kids is a nightmare in Hollywood. And they made it look flawless. I'm sure it was a little bit easier, it being her actual daughter. But it's never easy to get a kid not to look straight into a camera. And actually, if we cut to Meryl and her daughter sing Itsy Bitsy Spider in the final scene, what a precious moment captured for them. Like, to watch now, 30 years later, that is just so tender. I think moments like those made the film just so relatable. And I didn't care for the storyline at all, I will say. Uh, Even though it's a very realistic story, and I think the book would probably be a better read, no pun intended, I just feel like the film kind of falls flat. And it's not a terrible film by any means. The acting, the cast is incredible. And it's not a terrible film. It, It just lacks a little bit of like a substantial core because you're never rooting for their relationship. You're never rooting for really anything in this film. You're just kind of watching it, and it's just kind of flat. It's very obvious that it will never succeed. From the very, very beginning, you already know how this is going to end. And if you like a typical, stereotypical, romantic film, then it's perfect. But if you're kind of looking for a little bit more oomph, Maybe just a one-time watch. I mean, who doesn't love Meryl Streep? You should watch anything she's ever been in. So all in all, it's worth the watch. It's just on a scale from 1 to 10, it's probably like a 5. It's kind of just in the middle. But Mark and Rachel have such a hot and cold relationship. There's so much love. There's so much fighting. It's a very up and down roller coaster of emotions. Mark cheats on Rachel. She leaves with the baby to stay with a friend out of town. They rekindle. She moves back. The passion strikes back up again, just like we saw in the very beginning. But this time, she becomes neurotic and obsessive and begins searching his things daily for evidence and, and trying to find you know how he could be possibly unfaithful. And spoiler... <laughs> He doesn't stay faithful, and her suspicions are valid. However, just in my own personal life, I would never want to be in a relationship where I felt that in the other person. It's not a healthy way to live your life to just be in a constant state of obsession over trying to search emails and search through mail and search not so much during this film, but in present day through someone's phone and like you should have a foundation of trust and that's lacking from the very very get-go in the relationship there is never a solid ground of trust so for me one thing that I got out of this is the importance of trust trust in yourself and that gut feeling Not a fear or anxiety, but a genuine intuition about a person in your life. Trust in the people you choose to have in your life. 
in your immediate circle, and especially in regard to this film, is the trust you have in a partner, someone you are choosing to share your life with every day. And if that's not the foundation, it's always going to crumble. And leading up to the scene in which Meryl Streep, or really Rachel, slams a pie into Mark's face, it's a scene when a group of friends are gathered for a dinner, and they're discussing, you know, things you discuss at a dinner party, and then someone starts discussing infidelity. And how do you not know? Like, how could you just not know? And Rachel is just listening and listening and listening and kind of giving a pushback of like, well, you know, there, you know, there are reasons, there are ways and like trying to defend the stance of somebody who doesn't know because in her real world, she knows that this man has cheated on her again. She knows. And she pushed down that gut feeling, that intuition for so long. And now it has come into the fold (laughs) and all of her neurotic behavior of, you know, looking through his wallet and looking through his bag and looking through his desk and all of those things have come to surface. And he is cheating. He saved receipts. He was not smart in how he tried to cover tracks because he straight up he didn't cover tracks. And Rachel has a monologue in the scene about how you can love someone and see through the evidence and just not realize. And so I had all of this thought about trust in my, my brain. And then she said that. And I thought, that's real too. You can genuinely want to see the good in someone and be blinded by something bad that they do because you love them. You know, even shitty people have good parts to them. Even when you are a good person, and I'd like to think that I am an intentionally kind person. I try to be an intentionally kind person. But I even know in myself, there are experiences that people have had with me where they probably didn't like me or they thought I was a, you know, a rude person or whatever interaction where I've been upset about something or maybe I was hungry or, you know, whatever it might be. And I'm not a bad person, but it doesn't mean that I don't have bad moments. And so when you're aware that that is a possibility in human existence, to be human is to be flawed. So when you're aware of that, which we all are, You can look at somebody who's doing something bad, or you can look at somebody who you perceive is doing something bad and still see good, still see light, still hope for the best, still have a vision in your head of how things will be, should be, how you want them to be, whatever it might be. So her character yearning for that as much as she is, is very real. And that was something I did really like about the film. Probably doesn't hurt that Meryl Streep can play anything, but you empathize with her. You really don't empathize whatsoever with her husband. Mark is not a likable character. 
And I wouldn't even say that her character is all that likable, but she is somebody you feel for. You either relate to her, you feel bad for her. At least that was my experience. Maybe you watch this and you have a different experience. But for me, that's how I felt. A lot of us have been Rachel. I've been Rachel. (laughs) Uh, Like a lot of us have been in her shoes known that somebody that we're somebody that we've chosen to be with you expect this person to not just be nice but be kind and sometimes people are just nice and they're not kind and there is a difference and sometimes it's that they're not present you're with somebody and they're never really like they're physically there but they're never really there mentally emotionally and to quote a children's book the little prince To become present means accepting the risk of absence. And that's not easy for most people. For some, people are in therapy to be a more present person. You know, it's not something that just comes easily for a lot of people. And as much as I personally like to be as present as possible, I know I'm not always. It's really hard when I have a scattered brain. (laughs) Uh, But I do try. I do try. Um... And you can see she's present, but she has a partner who could not be further away from her, even when he's in the room with her. He is in another world. But to reel it back, she gets up in the middle of this monologue to prepare the pie for everyone to eat, but ends up slamming it into Mark's face. And nobody sees this coming. Everyone is just speechless. She's like, can I have the keys or where are the keys? And heads out the door. And everyone's just in shock because they were just having this friendly gathering and not realizing this entire thing or this entire experience that this woman who they care about was living. And then again, Rachel moves out, but this time with two children. You can gauge what time has passed in this film by their relationship, um, specifically with their children, watching her get pregnant, watching her have a child, how old that child gets, watching her get pregnant again, watching that child be born. I mean, you can do the math and figure out a chunk of time has passed. I think it's really fun when films have laps in time and it just feels natural and smooth and you don't question it and you aren't confused and you know exactly what's happening and you can feel the history between the characters has developed over that time. They play that part very well. I mean, Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson are seasoned actors. I mean, even for this film in 1986, they had done a lot of work respectively before them. So they have that dynamic that just builds over time. And it's inevitably the end of it at that point. And she moves on with her life. And you know she's going on to bigger and better things because she's finally free of that. And if you've ever been in a relationship, or maybe not as dramatized as their relationship, but any relationship where it's hot and cold, maybe you break up, get back together, Maybe there's infidelity involved. Um, whatever aspect of their roller coaster of a relationship that you have experience of, 
It's very realistic. And you can see it from her perspective of loving someone so much and just seeing through the evidence, wanting to see the good in that person. Or maybe not even wanting to see the good, but wanting to ignore the bad. (laughs) There is a difference. And yeah, if you this weekend want to get a little bowl of popcorn, maybe have some leftovers from the pie that you're getting today, I think it's a, a cozy Nora Ephraim film. And like I said, it's worth at least one watch. And yeah, you can see a really young uh, cast. Everyone in this cast, they're just incredible actors and they're all so young. And like Catherine O'Hara, for instance, she plays uh, like a Southern belle. So she's got a cute little Southern accent. And then there's Stalker Channing. And if you know Grease, you know Stalker Channing. If you know the First Wives Club. Uh, she's the friend who unfortunately commits suicide at the very beginning of the film, but she's a legend. She's great at practical magic. I actually have recently discovered that they might be making a sequel to practical magic. And it was talked about pre COVID And some things are circulating online about it maybe surfacing again. Who knows? Sometimes these things are just rumored and sometimes they're real. But it would be amazing if it were real. All of the cast are still alive. Diane Weist and obviously Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. And I would love to see it. But this episode isn't about practical magic. We will save that for another time. All right. So for today's featured food. I made banana cream pie. It is vegan. It is gluten-free. It is delicious. You also cannot tell that it is vegan and gluten-free. I was kind of shocked at how amazing it came out. I mean, chef's kiss, delicious. Uh, For the crust, I made the crust myself. I love making crust, um, a pie crust, a cheesecake crust, any kind of dessert crust. For this one, I did like a bit of what I would typically do for one, but then I added, because it's banana cream pie, I thought it would taste really good with a graham cracker crust, but I didn't want to just buy a graham cracker crust or make just a straight graham cracker crust. I still wanted to have that homemade crust vibe, but with a little hint of graham cracker. So what I did is I made a base and then I also bought a graham cracker crust, but I crumbled it up and I just put not even the full crust, maybe 75% of it. And I threw that in as well. And sure, I had a little bit excess, but I wanted it to be a thick crust, especially when you're making a banana cream pie. It is essentially a pudding in the center. You want a thicker crust because then the pudding can seep into the crust. But if it's too thin, it just kind of weakens the crust. But I have a very thick crust, so it just came out all beautifully. But the recipe for the filling I found online with the Minimalist Baker. I've been using recipes from them for years, and I think they're fantastic. And I will share all of this in the show notes. If you'd like to see how I made everything to make it for yourself, or maybe you just want to see what I made for a little eye candy, go ahead and jump over to my Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube pages at Bite Sized Cinema. That's Bite Sized Cinema. 
and enjoy those. Thank you for listening to this second episode. I appreciate your support as always. Please do not forget to subscribe, follow the socials, and I hope that you're kind to yourself today. Okay, bye.